A reading from Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from that region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was only sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. These are your words, O Lord. Your word is the truth. Lead us into the truth. Amen. The wheels screeched. The mother's heart stopped. The child screamed. The mother ran out into the street in front of the house as fast as she could. She was scared spitless when she saw the tricycle and her daughter lying on the pavement. That's the way mothers are. That's the way fathers are. Anytime your child is injured, anytime your child is sick, you become very, very upset, especially if the child is seriously ill or seriously injured. That's just the way God has wired us as mothers and fathers. You can tell your stories, and I can tell my stories about illnesses and injuries. When our son Eshetu was younger, he was an accident waiting to happen. And I remember many occasions him smashing his head and getting a huge goose egg or a fat lip. And on several occasions, we had to take him to the emergency room for a CAT scan to make sure that his little brain wasn't hurt. As a parent, you just sort of hold your breath until the doctor says, he's okay. When Amsala had her first open heart surgery way back when she was one, I remember the moment they took her ventilator tube out and and she needed to start breathing on her own. And I thought when they did that, she'd take this big breath and just start crying, right? But she didn't. She wasn't breathing. And neither was I, right? It felt like minutes, but they finally got her to start breathing again. Most of us have stories of harrowing experience with, with kids that are hurt or ill, and, and, we, and we bring them to the doctor hoping that they'll have something to make them better. All we want is for them to get better. So we can understand this story for today because we find a woman who was upset, so deeply upset, because her daughter is so very, very sick. And we are drawn into the story 
when we hear what happens between this woman and Jesus. Right? Jesus, now in this story, is in a non-Jewish territory in the district of Tyre in Sidon when he is approached by this Canaanite woman. Now, you have to understand that Matthew's use of the word Canaanite is supposed to tell the reader what kind of woman this is, or at least the kind of woman they think she is, right? Canaanites did not worship the same God as the Hebrews, as, as the Jews. Their, their cultic and pagan practices, the Canaanite cultic and pagan practices of worshiping fertility gods, their use of temple prostitutes to coax their God to similarly fertilize the earth would, would gross you out at the least. But even so, this is still a human being who approaches Jesus and she asks for help. And not help for herself, right? It's for her daughter. Her daughter, Scripture says, is possessed by a demon. I don't know what that means exactly, but she had some terrible illness, whether that's epilepsy or or, or some other ailment that the Bible describes as being demon-possessed. And like any mother, any mother... She just wants to see her daughter made well again. And so she approaches Jesus and calls him the son of David. This one who is known for healing. This one who has wandered into her territory. And she begs him for mercy. But he did not answer her at all, says Matthew. This one we call the son of God does not even have the decency to answer her. He he just ignores her. Jesus only speaks when he's addressed by his disciples. When they cannot stand this woman's crying anymore, they say, Jesus, will you just give her what she wants so she quits bothering us already? But Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. He doesn't even talk right to her. He addresses his disciples. And then, and then when this woman kneels before him and says, Lord, help me, he calls her a dog unworthy of the children's food. Not Jesus' finest moment, to be sure. In fact, like I said before, the story, well, it, it makes Jesus kind of come off sounding like a jerk. Huh? But the story really begs this question. Exactly how human do you want Jesus to be? We confess that Jesus is the Word of God made flesh. We confess that Jesus is God in human form. But how human are you willing to let Jesus be? It's hard enough to imagine God in Mary's womb emerging covered in embryonic fluid. It's it's hard enough to imagine God needing to be toilet trained, right? Or belching after meals, passing gas as many times a day as you or I. But could Jesus have been so human that he was capable of this kind of rudeness, insensitivity, even bigotry? Pooh, that's a tough one. I have to admit that there's a big part of me that doesn't want Jesus to be quite that human. I want to brush past this story. I want to chalk it up as a story of Jesus knowing that ultimately he'd heal this woman, but he just needed to test her faith. 
Or maybe test his disciples or something. I don't know. I, I, I want to get back to stories of Jesus walking on water and feeding thousands with meager portions. I want, I want to get back to Jesus where he heals and teaches and loves and, and amazes. Because those stories give me a glimpse of Jesus' divinity. Yeah, but a, a big part of me doesn't want Jesus to be this human. I don't want him to be quite this much like me and my fellow citizens of this world. But then there is this big part of me that cannot resist a Jesus that's this human. There's a part of me that knows this is how I am. Rude, maybe even on my best days. Insensitive, bigoted on my worst. I know how Many days I am indifferent to the needs of others. And if you're courageous enough, you'll admit that too. We need Jesus to be this human so he can really save us from our sins. I need Jesus to be this human and still rise from death by the power of Almighty God so I know he can really promise me the same. But more than that, when we're able to confess Jesus to being this human and not just a a divine being who knew exactly what his ministry would look like beforehand, then this story becomes utterly amazing. If we allow ourselves to believe that Jesus was so human he was actually capable of changing his mind, this story becomes more than a play or just a, a clever ruse or some divine test. It becomes the story of an unlikely outsider actually changing Jesus' mind and altering the course of his ministry. This woman, with her humility and persistence, owns the label of dog that Jesus puts on her. She only asks for crumbs from the table. The same that any other dog would get. She is confident that even the crumbs from this amazing healer will be enough to heal her daughter. And Jesus, upon seeing the faith of this outsider, changes his mind. And he gives her what she wants. Not just to get rid of her, but because of her extraordinary faith. And I believe that this moment affects Jesus deeply. I believe that this encounter with this persistent, humble woman affects Jesus profoundly. At the end of Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus has risen from the dead and appears to his disciples and sends them out as messengers, where does he send them? He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I have to believe that this woman's persistent, humble faith has in part led Jesus to open his saving act now to all the world. And this time the world isn't getting crumbs. It's getting the whole meal deal. Everything that Jesus is and has is now extended to the whole world. And so my question to you today is this. How might your faithfulness affect God today? 
How might your persistent, humble faith affect the course of Christ Jesus' church? How might you be compelled to pray, to lobby, to beg God for mercy, love, and healing for yourself and someone you love? Or to be an advocate for someone you don't even know, someone you don't even like, someone you have been taught to hate? How might you be led to be persistent on behalf of someone that society has shunned and cast out for one reason or another? And how might that persistent advocacy change the course of human history? Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not suggesting that God is standing up somewhere withholding blessings and love until someone with enough faith comes along and and pries it out of his hands, right? I believe that we worship a God who is abundantly gracious and merciful, who gives things to us even before we ask. And the prayers we offer aren't, aren't like some combination to a safe that will open with just the right twists and turns. But what I am saying is this. The life we live in relationship with God and with one another is not just some scripted story. It's not some play with a predestined outcome. God truly listens to our prayers and responds to them. Christ Jesus is responsive to our pleas and continues to be influenced by our faithfulness. This story from Matthew 15, as well as so many stories from Scripture, supports this. God has chosen, he has chosen to be in such relationship with his people that he actually listens and allows himself to be influenced by them and to do something different. And there's no doubt in my mind that your prayers, your pleas, your persistent, humble faith on behalf of someone you love will be heard by God. And your humble faith has the potential to not only offer, not only alter life for the one on whose behalf you pray, it has the potential to change the course of ministry in Jesus' name. So come to this Jesus today, my friends. Come in humility. Come with faith. Come with persistent hope. For who knows, maybe your faith will alter the course of God's people. It certainly wouldn't be the first time, would it? Amen.